This is The Blunt Doctor Show. On the Friday before the Super Bowl. And we are ready. We are hyped. We are prepared. We are fucking excited, excited, excited. I cannot believe how excited I am, to be completely honest with you. I'm like through the fucking roof. I'm like... Even with Super Bowls in the past, two days beforehand, like I just want the game to get here. But I'm not like like jumping off the walls hyped through the roof but this year i am i am like through the roof it's i'm i'm just like tom brady my favorite super bowl is the next one that's that's where i'm always at and this one is taking on more meaning and so much meaning we'll get to that in a moment one thing i will say i waited till friday because now we get the final injury reports they've just come out the Buccaneers' defense is completely healthy for the Super Bowl, completely 100% healthy. Jordan Whitehead, Antoine Winfield, Levante David, everyone is good to go. We are ready. We are prepped. We are ready. And I'm going to tell you, as we all know, defense win championships. Having the better defense in the Super Bowl is a big damn deal. And and in this case, the Bucs definitely have the better defense. Now, the Chiefs have statistically maybe the better offense but I trust the Bucks offense a little more because it's led by one Tom Brady and that's how that goes but in any case as far as Super Bowl health goes the Bucks defense is completely healthy the Chiefs have a couple of injuries um, and the Bucks have a couple of injuries on offense Cameron Bray and Antonio Brown are both listed as questionable so there's some possibility they may not play it looks like they will but there is possibility that they won't um, and then as far as the Chiefs go Sammy Watkins is questionable. Um, it looks like he is going to play, though. So it looks like Antonio Brown is going to play as well. Brait is the one that's maybe questionable. but So there's some injuries listed as questionable, but looks like generally everyone's going to be good to go. And that's always the thing. You always want to beat a team at full strength. You don't want to beat them, you know, when they're missing half their guys or, you know, whatever. The Chiefs do have two guys out, um, but they're out due to season-ending injuries that happened earlier, and there was no... No question about that. So, um, you know, they, they've been expecting, you know, those injuries. There was no question about that. But Watkins was a full participant, so it looks like he's going to play. So it should be a full strength, you know, offense on offense game. And it's going to be just awesome. But, I mean, there are a few questions that I have um, about just everything related to this game. A few thoughts that I've had. Um, because there's going to be, it's going to be a close game. Like, I don't think that as much as I would love to think that Tampa Bay is going to blow out, you know, Kansas city, like, you know, it's a lot of these super bowls in recent years have been very close because, you know, we just, when you have great teams, they find ways to be in the game. Even if, you know, it starts one way, even when the Ravens were blowing out the 49ers, the 49ers found a way to get back in the game, right? They blew the power to the stadium and gave themselves an extra long time to prepare, right? Okay, so good job. That's using ingenuity to get yourself back into the game. <laughs> I remember when that happened, when the lights went out at the Superdome during the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. And like basically on Twitter, all of the jokes were, oh God, here comes Bane. Like everyone had a Bane joke at that moment. So it really did feel like that was about to occur. In any case, expect this game to be close. Um, it could be one of those games that comes down to who has the ball last. It could be one of those games that comes down to someone makes a late turnover mistake. Um, and obviously you've got the two best quarterbacks in the game 
Um, you've got two of the best coaches in the game, offensive minded, both of them, but with, you know, really good defensive coordinators, at least on the Bucks side, there's questions about the Chiefs side, but this game is going to be really good. This will probably be one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen. Um, you know, the fact that it's going to be in Tampa Bay with Tampa Bay fans could make it a little bit lopsided, but the Bucks aren't allowed to fire the cannons. So normally, you know, at a Tampa Bay home game, they would fire the cannons on every mega play touchdown, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but they can't fire the cannons now because it's technically a neutral side Super Bowl. So, you know, we got to understand and accept that it's fine. But still in the Bucks stadium, still with first responders from the Tampa Bay area who are going to be rooting for the Bucks, overall should feel very comfortable for Tampa Bay. They should feel good in the stadium and they should feel prepared and ready to dominate and protect their home field. And this is the thing I feel like for the defense, especially like this is your house. You got to protect your house. And so, as good as Kansas City is, I I think I mean I I the motivation in Tampa Bay is through the roof. You've got a team that's never been anywhere near the playoffs, right? With most of these guys. Now they're in the fucking Super Bowl. You've got a bunch of guys who have no history of winning anything who now are on the cusp of winning everything. Not just winning everything in terms of winning the Super Bowl, but winning it in front of their own fans in their own stadium. And, you know, 7,500 or whatever, it's not that many people. But, you know, in a neutral site game with tickets to just the rich, you know, who the hell knows what the, the fan base would be. If this is just most tam- mostly Tampa people, you know, that's pretty damn good for the Bucks. You know, I have a theory, and this is not necessarily backed up by science. I haven't read anything about this, so I don't know. Um, but I'm sure that someone could verify that this was correct or, or say that it wasn't. In any case, this is just a thought that I had. You hear some of these games and, you know, normally when we you see a football game, it's like, what, 60,000 people or whatever, 50,000 people, whatever the stadium capacity is, 70, you know, 80, whatever the capacity is. And it's extremely loud. And then you see these games where it's like, you know, 7,500 people or, or 4,000 people or whatever the hell the number is. But the crowd is loud as hell. And it sounds like a full crowd. And I was thinking, when the stadium is packed, even with all those people screaming, there's not as much echo because all the people are like sound dampeners for the chairs and everything. But when the stadium is empty, like you just have a bunch of concrete and plastic, so the noise just echoes off all that. So it feels like the stadium is almost as loud when it's, you know... 20% full because there's just so much echo that, and there's just fewer people who are drowning it out. And I I don't know if that's, or if they're just doing something to thicken the noise. I don't know, but you just listen to these games. It sounds loud as hell. Um, You know, the basketball stuff, you can tell it's, you know, fake crowd noise and, you know, there's no one there, but, or I guess some games now there are people there, but these football games, like you can really hear a few thousand people making a lot of noise. And I just wonder if the echoing, you know, if that can increase the decibel level um, in a way that it normally wouldn't because there's people in the way of preventing the echo normally. I don't know. Just a thought. In any case, let's dive into the the actual keys. This is just the stuff that I think is the most important for this game. Before I dive into the keys real quick, I will talk about why this one means so much to me um, in perspective of the Seahawks Super Bowl. So, the Seahawks Super Bowl is my favorite 
Tom Brady championship of all time because number one, it came against the league's best defense, maybe the best defense ever. I mean, the Legion of Boom at the height of their boomness. Um, you know, Russell Wilson was really coming into his own at that point as as a you know a star quarterback. Um, you know, he was reaching another level as a passer. Um, and also Tom Brady hadn't won in a decade and, you know, all the bullshit lies about spy, about Spygate and then about, uh, um, you know, the deflate gate bullshit, just all of that stuff just dragged his career. And I was just sick of hearing it. And there was just no way to take anything away from that team. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter, they scored two touchdowns to take the lead against, you know, the best defense ever. He scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl against the league's best defense. And then, you know, Malcolm Butler steps in and saves the game with an incredible goal line intercept. It's just, you know, you couldn't write a better movie than the Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl, in my opinion. And, you know, maybe the, some people think the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl is better because, you know, it's a backup quarterback beating the mighty Patriots and, you know, it's all because of Bill Belichick's hubris because he didn't play Malcolm Butler. You know, I, I don't know, um, depending on what angle you're on. But in any case, you know, I, I acknowledge that everyone has a different angle on these things. But for me personally, the Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl meant the most because of those things. For some people, it's the Falcons Super Bowl because of the level of comeback. But that game for me, like, it was just such a crazy day. Like, I had to leave the bar I was at because. There were drunken Patriots fans laughing at the game and high-fiving about how we were losing, and I was, like, losing my shit over that, so I had to go home. And then we started winning while I was outside, so I, like, stood outside my house and watched because I'm a crazy, superstitious person. But in any case, that day was nuts. And, you know, the Seahawks Super Bowl just was everything I've ever wanted in one day. And so it was just looking at the framing, you know, Tom Brady had been dragged through the mud. He hadn't won in a decade. Everyone tried to accuse him of cheating. He's playing the best defense ever. They're losing late in the game. He throws two touchdowns to take the lead. Then the Seahawks almost take it back. And it looks just like the giant Super Bowls when he gave us a late lead. And then, you know, they were about to blow it. And, you know, both times against the Giants, they blew it. And then here against the Seahawks, some kid from out of nowhere steps in on the one play that the Seahawks shouldn't have run. Just when you look at that framing it's just the best story ever and so getting back to this super bowl the framing for me here is just you know everyone had you know he's lost his arm strength tom brady isn't good anymore you know they couldn't even beat the titans blah 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 and you know he's not what he once was and it doesn't matter what we it's not about the weapons he's not as good as he used to be, and just all these things and, you know, I'm sitting here, someone who's watched, you know, like every snap Tom Brady's ever taken, and I know it's bullshit, and it drives me nuts, and, you know, I'm sitting here telling people, you need to see, you know, give Tom Brady an offense like some of these other guys have. You know, I see him get compared to, you know, you get compared to Pat Mahomes or, you know, Aaron Rodgers or whatever, and, oh, these guys are so much more whatever. Give Tom Brady some of that. Sure, Aaron Rodgers hasn't always had the most phenomenal weapons over the years, but he's got maybe the best receiver right now in Devontae Adams, right? And, I mean, look at the, the season that Devontae Adams had. I mean, I dislike Tyreek Hill, you know, but look at what Pat Mahomes, you know, did with what he does with Tyreek Hill on the field. Not that Tyreek Hill is necessarily the best in the league, but if he's the fastest person in the league and you've got the biggest arm in the league, you can make things happen. And, you know, this goes back to... What I said on the 
previous football episode about, you know, just the Chiefs and Bucks are two teams that went all in. They've done everything to surround their guys with every weapon that they could possibly come up with. And you've got two teams that have done that. You've got the kid, Pat Mahomes, who's trying to take the, you know, top quarterback spot from Tom Brady. You've got, you know, an all-time coach in Bruce Arians who is a you know beloved offensive mind, but has never even gotten this far. And then you have Andy Reid, who was the same kind of beloved offensive mind who had never gotten this far, who won it last year. And Tom Brady's with the new team, and in his first team, his first season with the new team, he's in the Super Bowl. They're in their home stadium. There's a pandemic. There are just there's a billion storylines. And the thing for me is if Tom Brady goes into a new team, even with the weapons he has there, it, you're learning a new system. If he goes into it after 20 years, goes to a new team with a brand new system, new coach, they were seven and five at one point. They were struggling. They figured it out. If they get to the next level and he sends Drew Brees packing and he gets Aaron Rodgers trade discussions ramped up because they beat him and then he knocks off Mahomes in their second playoff battle. I mean, they're. There's obviously, I mean, there have been no more discussions about Tom Brady being the best of all time, but like that puts him like, I mean, Michael Jordan never did anything like that. He was not able to put the Wizards on the edge of a championship. You know, no one has ever had this success in professional sports at this age, let alone with like a new franchise. Like this is just, this is something else. And he's crossing from greatest quarterback ever, greatest football player ever, to just the best winner of all time. I don't know what else to call it. Like, the level of success and the level of contention and the just absolute dominance of everything related to football, it's just, it's... The only things I can think of that compare to it are dominance in like solo sports, like the way that Serena Williams just is absolutely the best, you know, maybe solo tennis player ever. Like that's the level is in that. And that's in a solo sport. That's the only thing where you can find comparisons to Tom Brady. And in terms of level of dominance is sports where it's one-on-one and you don't have to lift 50 other people and you don't have to deal with coaches and you know pandemics wasting half your roster or whatever like all you know whatever the case may be that there's so much that goes on in professional sports and professional team sports that that you know you can't just you know LeBron James can will his team to the brink of a championship but if there's four all pros on the other side it's you know it's it's really tough to get through um but that's what Tom Brady has done is he has not only lifted his team to the brink of contention almost every single year of his career, but he's won so often that it's statistically absurd. It just, you know, it's it's just not some of the things that Tom Brady does aren't possible. They just seem impossible. He started for 20 seasons in this league and he's made 10 Super Bowls. Like, he's more likely to start in a Super Bowl than an NBA player is to make a jump shot. Like, I've said that before, but just think about that. Like, that's just absurd. It's not human. It's it's next level. And all of this is to say, 
that if he brings it home with seven Super Bowls and ten tries, what would anyone ever say ever again? Like, what are what arguments would exist anymore? Because there have just been so well, he never played against Breeze and Rodgers in the playoffs. Beat them both. Well, he only beat Pat Mahomes when Pat Mahomes was young. Well, if he beats him now, Pat Mahomes is at the prime of Pat Mahomes. So, and there's really nothing that anyone can say about Tom Brady regardless of the outcome of this game. I obviously believe Tampa Bay is going to win, but there's nothing anyone can say about Tom Brady regardless. But this is just something that even haters would be forced to shut up at that point. Like, even people that don't respect him and despise him and think all of this, it was, oh, Belichick or blah, blah, whatever. Like, nobody would ever be able to say anything again. And that level of frustration among haters would be, well, just for someone like me, it would be truly a sight to behold. So, you know, all my chips, all my marbles are on this one. I really believe in Tom Brady and this Bucks team. And I think it's going to be an awesome game. And I believe they're going to get the job done. That's what I think. You, you know me, I'm a believer. But there are many interesting storylines here, um, including the coaching, actually. I mean, you look at, for example, again, you know, Bruce Arians getting his first shot at a Super Bowl after Andy Reid got his first win in a Super Bowl last year. Um, So hopefully Bruce gets his first win this year as well. Um, The defensive coordinator of the Chiefs, Steve Spagnuolo, was the defensive coordinator of the first Giants Super Bowl team that beat the Patriots. So this is Tom Brady against uh, Spagnuolo again. I do think that could prove to be interesting, but I don't think it's like a defining feature of the game or something, but I do think it's interesting. Um, The thing is that, you know, after that game, I mean, everyone knows, you know, the whole thing about, you know, we're going to beat Tom Brady by getting pressure with our front four. And if you can sack him, you have an opportunity to beat him. I mean, that's, you know, Spagnola was the one who maybe sort of started that. um, But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has institutional inside knowledge or anything anymore. It, it could be interesting, but I don't think it's, you know, that big of a deal. We all know that, um, you know, Tom struggles more under pressure. Most quarterbacks do. Some scrambling quarterbacks are able to get out of it. Obviously, you know, guys like Russell Wilson maybe or, you know, thrive under pressure or whatever, but, you know, can't necessarily just operate the offense as well. So um, I do, you know, I've seen some stats about, you know, Tom Brady's completion percentage in the playoffs, um, being pretty poor under pressure. And, and we know that. And it's just, that is going to be, you know, maybe the biggest key to this game um, is that the Bucks' offensive line has to play really well. Now, they invested in the offensive line. They traded up to draft Tristan Wirfs, who's been an awesome tackle for the team. They have done everything that they can to protect him, and they've done a great job of it. But that's going to be job one, because in both of the Saints' blowout losses in the regular season, the Saints were able to get pressure on Tom Brady and just blow up everything that the Bucks were trying to do. And truthfully, uh, I mean, he just had no time to do anything. And the thing about Tom is when you get to that pressure on him, a lot of the times the reason that his completion percentage is so bad in those scenarios is because he does just throw the ball away because he doesn't want to turn it over. And so he he views punting is better than a really bad interception, you know, live the fight another down or, you know, throw it away on second down if there's really bad pressure in his face because he'd rather take a shot on third down. He is just someone who believes in getting rid of the ball if nothing's going to come up. You know, a nothing play is much better than a negative play, right? So some of that lower percentage is baked into just the way that he plays 
Because if you know if there's pressure on first or second down, you're just going to throw the ball away because you still have another opportunity upcoming. And if there's pressure on third down to the level that you don't even think that you can make a play, again, it's still better than an interception because interceptions always have the possibility of being a pick six. So the way that he handles all of this stuff, the way that he plays the game, there is some baked in his 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 completion percentage under pressure will just be lower because he's more likely to throw the ball away than most people because he's seen everything and he doesn't have, you know, it doesn't matter to him. You know, the statistics don't matter. The win matters. And it's just better opportunity comes from waiting for another play to take your shot rather than, you know, throwing the ball into a pile of players. So does the offensive line have a great game. And conversely, does the chiefs pass rush get home? You know, does Chris Jones get to Tom Brady? You know, does, you know, are they able to, to mix it? I mean, the chiefs defenses, they have some solid players. We know about, you know, Tyron Matthew, we know about uh, Frank Clark. So it's just, you know, we know that we know what the chiefs are capable of doing in terms of, you know, the talent that they have. Um, But can they, do that against this Bucks offense. I don't know. I, you know, the Chiefs defense has played fairly well in these playoffs, but they're certainly not, you know, world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. And this is the thing that Tampa Bay really has the big advantage on is defense does win championships. Just truthfully, if you historically go look now, the the guy who breaks some of these is Tom Brady. But if you historically go look when a top defense plays in the Super Bowl, they typically don't lose. And again, you know, the one one of the few times they did, Brady beat the Seahawks. But when when you're facing, you know, a top five defense, you are in trouble because defense just does win championships. And, you know, with the nerves and everything that go along with it, as good as the Chiefs are, you know, we're all human. And, you know, it seems that reactionary football, when you're a dominant defense and, you know, you're watching what they're doing. It seems like that's a little easier to play with nerves because defensive teams do really well in the Super Bowl and the Bucks are a rare defensive and offensive team. And this was really why I wanted Tom Brady to go to Tampa Bay was, yeah, Mike Evans. Yeah, Chris Godwin, obviously. But the reason I was really on board with this is that Tampa's defense was fucking good. And it was very clear that if you took out Jameis Winston's constant turning the ball over and put in Tom Brady's functional offense plus sick downfield play plus not 30 interceptions, then, you know, it changes the game. And it clearly did because the Bucs went from a seven-win team to the Super Bowl. And that's the difference. You know, Tom Brady takes you to a new stratosphere. I mean, this was a team that hadn't, you know, Levante David's never even been to the playoffs. Now he's playing in a Super Bowl. That's the difference. That's the difference that Tom Brady makes for these guys. You know, no one doubts Jameis Winston's talent. Like physically, he's got it all. It's the decision making. He just can't make good decisions on the field and it constantly leads to turnovers. That's the problem. And the Bucks were dragged down by that for years and they knew we need to just go get the best decision maker ever. He's healthy. He can sling it. And now they're talking about a Tom Brady extension. That was what was up with Bruce this week because he was saying he wanted to see Tom Brady get an extension. And Tom Brady has said he intends to play past next season. He's never going anywhere else. It's it's Tampa Bay till he's gone. Now, I mean, this is till he's till he's gone from football. This is it. It's Tampa. So, 
you know, they've shown how much they want to win with him. He's not going to do some, you know, NFL tour. This is, it's Tampa Bay and he's going to get a contract extension. That's going to happen. So all of those things being said, does the Chiefs defense get home? Does Tristan Wirfs hold up? Does Ali Marpet do his job? You know, those things are, are going to be a huge factor in this game because if the Bucks are able to move the ball and control clock and get first downs, the Chiefs offense is really good, but if you keep them on the sidelines and don't let them get in their rhythm and force them to keep trying quick strike stuff, you can throw them off. And, you know, a lot of these teams that get out to a lead and then blow it to the Chiefs, you know, they don't have Tom Brady on the other side and they don't have this defense. And so as good as the Chiefs are, if they get behind in this game, they're in trouble. Now, of course, if you get behind to the Chiefs, if Tampa Bay gets behind, they're in trouble. This is a game that I expect to be extremely close. But if someone does fall behind, I mean, we know how much Andy Reid loves to run the ball. We know how much the Bucks have loved to run the ball with with both Fournette and Rojo when they have those leads. So, you know, it could be really interesting. Now, on the flip side of that coin, of course, we know if either his team, either of these teams gets behind, both of them are capable of getting back quickly. But this is just a scenario, again, where the Bucks have a huge advantage is if they're able to strike early, now you have a lead, you have the better defense, and you have a comparable offense. So I'm looking for Tampa Bay to really do something early. Typically, I'm a person who loves to, you know, kick it first and then play defense and then get the ball to start the second half. But I would love for Tampa Bay to have the ball first in this game because I think that if you can draw first blood and get the Chiefs behind and then you can really run the ball when you have it. I just think you can throw their rhythm off. It's what the 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 Saints did with Peyton Manning in uh the Saints Cold Super Bowl was, you know, at one point they ran the clock down before the end of the first half and then there was a really long halftime and then the Saints came out and did an onside kick in going into the third quarter and recovered the ball and then, you know, had a nice drive again. And Peyton Manning didn't have the ball for like like over an hour. And I'm not saying that that's why they won, but it just any time that you can throw off the rhythm of a great offense, especially an offense built on, you know, just boom, 10 yards right here. Now let's quickly run the screen. Now let's quickly run the slant. Now let's go deep. You know, there's such a quick strike, quick rhythm offense. If you can throw them off of that, then you disrupt their flow. That's when you get Pat Mahomes to make bad decisions. The one dirty secret about Patrick Mahomes this year is that he had something like 15 dropped interceptions in the regular season. There were so many passes that should have been interceptions that were dropped. And I'm not, I don't know the exact stat. I, I've seen it many times. Go look at NFL Twitter. That It's there. The point is, that if Pat Mahomes plays the game where he wants to throw the ball up into coverage and see what happens, he's going to be in trouble because the Bucks are uniquely qualified to handle that. The Bucks defense, again, is healthy. That means Devin White, Levante David, Jason Pierre-Paul, Antoine Winfield, Jordan Whitehead, they're all ready to go. And, you know... The big thing that we saw when the the first two times that these teams played is the Tyree kill was unstoppable in the first quarter, and then the Bucks eventually switched to two deep safety, and then the Chiefs didn't really do much of anything. So you got to expect that Tampa Bay is going to play two deep safety this whole game. 
And the fact that they are completely healthy in the secondary is huge because, you know, it doesn't mean that Mike Edwards has to start or anything like that. Now you're able to play, you know, Winfield, Whitehead, Edwards. You've got, uh, you know, Jamel Dean is the speedster in the cornerback core who can take on Tyree Kill on a deep route, you know, with, you know, someone over the top. There's a lot of stuff that that the Bucks could do now on defense because they're going to be able to mix it up because everyone's there. But the thing is, if Pat Mahomes is trying to get cute, Antoine Winfield is a playmaker. Devin White is a playmaker. You know, these guys are good. And if the secondary is the weakest part of the Bucks defense, the fact that it's completely healthy and at its strongest today means that they have the best chance that they would have had all season, especially given that Vita Vea is back. The Bucks are going to be strong. And so it just, I can see plenty of scenarios where if Pat Mahomes gets cute with, cute with it, I mean, the Bucks beat the Saints with turnovers. And I know that Drew Brees has a weak arm and Pat Mahomes doesn't have that, but mistakes are mistakes regardless of arm strength. So all of that mishmash goes to say that some of the biggest keys to this game are how does the Bucks offensive line hold up? How does the Bucks secondary play Tyree Kill? Do they do too deep safety all game? And, you know, does Pat Mahomes do a good job and not throw balls up into coverage. And I know that people are like, oh, Pat Mahomes, you know, he does. You know, there are some people who are scoffing at me right now, like, you know, Pat Mahomes doesn't just throw the ball in the cut. He absolutely does. Because, you know, their offense is so electric. It doesn't really matter to him if he turns the ball over every now and then. But you don't want him to get all Jameis Winston-y if you're the Chiefs. And you do want him to get all Jameis Winston-y if you're the Bucks. So the Bucks are going to mix it up. I mean, this is going to be, you know, one hell of a game because you're just going to have to bring, you're going to have to bring the pain in all sorts of different ways. The thing about the Chiefs is their offense is so dynamic and so varied and they could run any play at any time. You have to essentially attack. Like the idea that you can sit back and cover what the Chiefs want to do is you can't. You've got two of the greatest offensive minds in the game and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. So there's no way that you can just like sit back and cover what the Chiefs want to do and oh we're going to cover this guy here, we'll cover the flat here, we'll co-. it just doesn't work because they're going to have some wrinkle you've never seen and someone's going to be wide open in some way. You have to get to them. You have to change the game for them. So, you know, there's no soft zone, there's no let's all drop back. You've got a blitz like hell. And you need to blitz from different places. So I expect to see some safety blitzes, some corner blitzes. We'll see one where they do drop nine back into coverage and only rush two. And, you know, after they've been blitzing all day, they'll 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 throw it off. But this is going to be a game where Todd Bowles has got to um he's gotta he's gotta pull out the bag of tricks. He's gotta go into the bag and 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 get deep because you've got to attack the Chiefs. You can't just sit back and let them come at you because they will beat you. You have got to find a way to neutralize either one of Hill or Kelsey on every play and then figure out a way to make Pat Mahomes make a bad decision. Either Kelsey or Hill are always going to be open. I mean, Kelsey is so good. He's like prime Gronk as a receiver, not a blocker, but as a receiver. Hill is the fastest guy in the NFL. Those two are elite weapons. So you have got to find a way to take one of them out of each play And then you've got to find a way to get to Mahomes. Because if you're trying to double cover both of them, I don't know what you're going to do. You double cover them both. Well, then Miko Hardman's going to burn you on the other side. 
And Sammy Watkins is, you know, going to be open too. Like they just have so many weapons. So do the Bucks, of course. And this could just be a shootout game. But if you're the Bucks, the key to this game is your defense. You know that you can hang with the Chiefs offensively. You know that you can score. But you want that to be your mechanism for closing out the game. You want to win the game with your defense. Every time that the Chiefs kick a field goal in this game, that is a major win for the Bucks. Every time that the Chiefs punt, that is a major win for the Bucks. And I know that this sounds obvious, but every time they get a turnover, that's a major win for the Bucks. I know that those seem, seem, things seem basic, but truthfully, the biggest matchup in this game is the Bucks' defense against the Chiefs' offense because we know what Tampa Bay's offense can do, and we know what Tom Brady can do, especially in the clutch. I'm not trying to say those things are given, but I'm saying that we know what is possible there. And so the biggest question becomes, can Tampa Bay play disciplined? Discipline is key, right? No penalties, none of that bullshit. So you've got to play disciplined, smart football on defense. Stay home. You know, don't don't be faked out. Attack from the right positions. Mix it up. And I do need to, to, to make one apology here. I was all over Todd Bowles earlier this year. I was like hammering him he should not you know Todd Bowles is someone that I have really respected for a long time dating back to his days with the Cardinals and I hated going up against him when he was coach of the Jets because that team was competent when he was there and so it frustrated the hell out of me watching some of his choices earlier this year as a defensive coach you know watching him play Tyree Kill in man coverage over and over and over for multiple drives in the first quarter of that game was an absolute disaster we learned something I hope but what I have seen since then from Todd Bowles is that he is a master of adjustments. They adjusted in that Chiefs game, and yes, they lost, but I don't think they'll ever make that same mistake again that's going to lead to Tyreek Hill opening the game with 200 freaking yards. So I don't think they, I don't think that they'll ever make that mistake again. I also have seen some incredible halftime adjustments from them on defense that, you know, they are going into the second half of games and absolutely taking away everything that you want to do. And so I have to apologize to Todd Bowles because I was simply wrong. I was mad at Bruce Arians. I was mad at Todd Bowles. I was like, I don't know if these guys are the right guys. I was very frustrated. And I, I was really mad at both of them. And I have to apologize to both of them because I was simply wrong on both of them. Like, you know, I always I always kind of still liked Leftwich. I was I, in my head. I was like, we mean to make Leftwich the coach. I was mad. I never said that kind of stuff. I'm not I'm not that crazy. I don't think I did. Well, if I did, I'm sorry. Anyway, the point is I was wrong. I was completely wrong. The hallmark of this show is going to be me acknowledging when I am wrong because most other people don't want to do that. You got to be able to admit when you're wrong. And that's going to be what I do is I'm going to be able to acknowledge my flaws. That's going to be something that sets me above the rest because all these other idiots will sit there and spew bullshit. And when they're right, they'll tout themselves, which I'm happy to do. But when they're wrong, they'll twist and pretend they weren't. I can acknowledge when I'm wrong. And in this scenario, I was completely fucking wrong because these guys have adjusted and just changed everything. Um, and the Bucks right now are on the cusp of, of winning because of Bulls and, and Arians, you know, being willing to change what they're doing on the fly to make this a better team. And so kudos to them for that. Um, and I, you know, again, my apologies to Todd Bowles, not that he would ever know that I complained and not that he would ever hear my apology, but I'm still putting it out in the universe. That was my bad. I was completely wrong. Um, I was very frustrated, but you know, they clearly, they had a plan. They wanted to see what they could do with it. You know, it, it almost feels, 
you know, that's kind of what Belichick did sometimes. It's like, all right, we need to know if we have anyone who can cover this guy in single coverage. And if we don't, we need to know that. And it seems that now we know that. So let's play two deep safeties on Tyree Kill and not fuck around. If I see single coverage on Tyree Kill in this game, though, I'm going to be mad. So let's just hope for the best. But in any case, I do, I do owe, uh, I owe a little bit of apology there because um, they really did the shit. They really have. They've adjusted like motherfuckers. That's going to be the name of this episode, Adjusted Like Motherfuckers. I'm just kidding. That'd be cool, though, wouldn't it? In any case, speaking of Travis Kelsey, who I mentioned a minute ago, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Bucks do with covering him. Because you have a lot of different options, and I wonder if it's going to be at sometimes like Devin White or Antoine Winfield. Like I'm just curious how they're going to do it in this game, because there's a lot of... I don't know how instructive the first game was because, again, the the first quarter was not what we wanted and they made nice adjustments but still lost the game. I don't know how instructive it's going to be for what they do this game because they're going to be trying to throw, I, I think, a real mix of a mixed bag at the Chiefs. I think the biggest thing you have to do is try to confuse Mahomes. I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but the thing about Tom Brady is that it's difficult to confuse him. He's seen pretty much every defense, so you're not going to throw stuff at him that he hasn't seen before. So with Tom Brady, you just have to play really good man coverage and get home on your pass rush, and you just have to hope that he doesn't sling perfect throws all day. That's, that's literally all that you can really do. But with with Mahomes, he still hasn't seen everything. He's still younger. So as good as he is, you can throw stuff at him that will throw him off. And I think that's really the key for them. So I'm I'm going to be looking at, you know, does does Devin White get solo coverage on Kelsey? And does that, you know, does that work? Devin White is like the one dude. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. He's great in pass coverage. He's good in run coverage. Devin White can do everything. He's a superstar linebacker in his second year. He's one of the best def- defensive players in the league already so I'm going to be interested to see that we're going to be interested to see if they play too deep safety you know to cover Hardman and Hill going deep does that mean that Winfield's not available to cover Kelsey so you know White needs to do it or are they going to try to put one of the corners inside um, on Kelsey and then put Jamel Dean on the outside because he's faster you could put Jamel Dean on Hardman for example because Jamel Dean ran like a 4-3 and you could put you know, double coverage on Tyree Kill, and then you put Devin White on Travis Kelsey, you know, or you can obviously try to play a matchup zone. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of wrinkles that they can throw. Um, and I think it's, I, I just, I think it's going to have to be a lot of disguise packages and we just played man coverage out of this package. So let's play the same package and we'll play zone. Or we just ran a safety blitz out of this package. Now let's run no blitz out of the same package, but we'll play man instead of, you know, whatever the case may be, there's got to be a whole lot of disguising. Not that you don't normally want to do that, but there's a difference between, okay, we're going to stay home, play man coverage, and we're going to go after the quarterback. And all right, we're going to disguise every single thing we do because we need to mix up coverages. Because truthfully, when you disguise coverages, when you do a lot of blitzing from different positions, you're typically leaving someone open. Just truthfully, you're making the choice that, hey, I'm going to try to disguise something. And if he's able to poke the holes on the coverage, then that's what happens. But the Bucks are extremely good in both the red zone on offense and on defense. So I think you can allow for some, oh, they gained some yards here and there. Hold them down, keep them to field goals, convert your touchdowns, you win the game. 
So I really do expect the Bucks to throw the kitchen sink at the Chiefs on defense. I, I really do. And, you know, some of it will just be what is Jason Pierre-Paul able to do? You know, can Jason Pierre-Paul get in the backfield and disrupt Mahomes? He can throw on the run, sure. He's, you know, he's not, say, Russell Wilson, but he's still a fairly mobile quarterback. I mean, they've run the option with him at times. You know, he's not the fastest dude around, and he's not, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think of Mahomes as like a guy who's running all the time, but he can definitely scramble. He's he's a lot like Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, he's not, you know, Kyler Murray, but he's not Tom Brady, right? He's like in that middle. He's a good runner. He can, you know, he can throw on the run. He can make a lot of plays happen with his legs. Um, so, so can the Chiefs get home? Like, if the Chiefs are able to generate pass rush with their front four at all, that would really affect the game because if they're able to play any kind of mass coverage, you know, if they're able to drop seven and rush four and actually make Mahomes make bad choices, that's going to be very good for the Bucks. So this is a game where Jason Pierre-Paul has to just play out of his mind. And he's been very good this season. He's had games where he's all over the place. And then he's had some games where he's, you know, not as effective. He's been streaky. But I do truly believe that he could be a major factor in this game. You look at, like... X factors, right? Like what is something that could alter the course of the game? If JPP can be the force that he can be, that's going to be a fucking problem for the Chiefs because they are typically very good at neutralizing all of your kind of first wave stuff because, you know, sometimes their plays take a minute to develop. It's like, you know, this, you know, the guard pulls and they run a screen and it's, they do a lot of, you know, nifty shit that, that looks, you know, I, I'm sitting here as a, you know, a, a novice football analyst on the sidelines going, that's a fucking cool play design. You know, the Chiefs do a lot of stuff like that. So you're going to have to find ways to disrupt it. But if you're able to do any of that from the front four. If you're able to hit Mahomes a couple of times and make him think twice about running or you're able to, you know, get enough pressure from the outside that it makes them double and gives, you know, a, a bigger open to Vea in the middle to absolutely swallow up the running game. Like if the Bucks can get pressure with the front four, it's going to be huge. I expect that that's going to be a really difficult thing for them to do, but I'm going to be watching Jason Pierre-Paul because I want to see what level of ferocity and, you know, just intensity he can bring and how much can he get in 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 Mahomes' face. Because, like, we know how good Levante David's going to be. We know how good Devin White's going to be. And, you know, the, from, from coverage to blitzing to run support. And again, we know that JPP can be very good. I just want to see, are the Chiefs going all out to neutralize him? Or is he able to create pressure from the front four, which forces the Chiefs to adjust, which allows the Bucks to do more? I'm really interested in the chess match of Eric Bieniemy and Todd Bowles. That's really for me one of the biggest things in this game because again, I feel like I know how good Tampa Bay's offense is and I know how shaky the Chiefs defense is and I believe the Tampa Bay will put up points. So what can the Bucks do to limit Kansas City from doing the same thing? That's my question. In terms of the Chiefs offense itself, I know we can put up points. The question for me is where are those points going to come from and how are they going to try to manufacture them? Playoff Lenny has been taken over the majority of the running back plays 
uh, or carries as 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 uh, Rojo has been getting back into shape. So my question is: Is Rojo going to be involved in this game plan? Because if the Bucks have a lead, I think that that's where Ronald Jones really starts to increase his value because you can hammer the ball with him several plays in a row and he will get the job done. Now, he has had times, some trouble with drops, with fumbles. I understand those concerns. I think you need to go with your best guys and not worry about the worst possible outcomes. So I do think that Ronald Jones could be very valuable, maybe especially in the second half. If the Bucks go into the second half with the lead, we might see a lot of Ronald Jones. I expect to see Leonard Fournette start because he's been playing so well in the playoffs and Bruce Arians is a hot hand kind of guy. So he's certainly not just going to take, you know, the game away from, you know, Leonard Fournette when he he waited for his chance so long, he finally got it and he's made the most of it here in the playoffs. I certainly think we're going to see both of them, but it's just going to be interesting to see how it works. From what I've seen this season, for the most part, the Bucks have been like, we'll give you a drive, we'll give the other guy a drive, we'll give you a drive. They've alternated at times, and they tend to give guys a whole drive to get in their rhythm, get going. And I think that may be really effective in this game, because... Ronald Jones is someone who can really punish a defense, and I think that the Chiefs are a defense that doesn't necessarily hold up well to taking the kind of pounding that consistent run blocking is going to give. And I think that having Rojo just out there hammering, hit the linebackers, then we got Fournette with fresh legs to come in and do the same thing. I think this is an advantage that the Bucks have because while the Chiefs have a really good and unique you know, offense and a really good running game. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is really good. A lot of that stuff again comes out of, you know, timing and craftiness and well-designed plays and not necessarily physical play. So if the Bucks on one side of the ball are trying to be really physical and hit the Chiefs and knock them out of their rhythm, I think it's not a bad idea to do the same thing on the other side. And so I expect to see Rojo at least a lot in the second half. But I, I could I I wouldn't be shocked if Fournette dominated the game. I, this is something I've been thinking about a lot, and I just every I keep expecting. Well, Rojo will be out there. Rojo will be out there. Rojo will be out, and he's out there at times, but for the most part, it's been Fournette. So I expect to see a lot of Fournette. I wouldn't be shocked if it's mostly Fournette. But in my mind, Ronald Jones becomes a really huge weapon in the second half because of his ability to break tackles. I mean, we saw him score the 99-yard touchdown. We know he's got the speed. Once he gets into the second level, he's tough to bring down. I really think that he has an effective running style that's that really he's straight line just go forward just hit it and i really think that could be useful in this game so how the bucks switch up the running back play is something i'm going to be watching pretty closely i i would say i think that those two are going to get all the carries i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of 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 going outside of those two i think they're going to try to keep it to their top guys and the advantage of alternating their drives is that Basically, you always have a running back with fresh legs, you know, even if, you know, you score quickly and then they had a quick three and out and you're coming right back out. You've got a running back with fresh legs because, you know, you you're playing two guys. So I would encourage them to use Ronald Jones more than they have. That is something that I think could become a big time help to the Bucks in this game. I don't know what the plans are. You know, I'm not inside the locker room, but I just think. Having a fresh leg running back at all times is really good because we want to control the clock. The simple fact of the matter is that, I mean, we know that the Chiefs secondary is good, but not great. Tyran Matthews back there, very good player. Legereus Sneed is good. They're, they're a good, Rashad Breland, they're good. They're good. They're not phenomenal, right? So we know that Tampa Bay is going to want to take shots downfield, but 
to me, this is the the absolute type game where you want to be setting up with the run and then taking shots downfield and play action. I really think this is the type of game where just be physical with the Chiefs. I don't think that they can handle that. You know, I think if the 49ers would have been able to, oh my God, I think back to that game and how many passes that Garoppolo airmailed down the stretch. And it's like the 49ers ran the ball all season and then gave the ball over to Garoppolo to win. And then he blew it. And I just think the level of physicality that the 49ers should have brought, the Bucks are capable of bringing and they should be doing it on both sides of the ball. And I think setting up play action is going to be huge this game, because if you can use play action to get Mike Evans in single coverage, that's 40 yards. It's 40 yards every time. If you can use play action to get them covering Gronk with their slowest linebacker, that's 25 yards. If you can get single coverage to get Chris Godwin open over the middle, that might be six. It just, there's so much to be gained here when you can run the ball successfully. And I know that I'm someone who's like, let's throw the ball all the time. So it's weird to hear me advocating for a sort of conservative approach, but You want to keep the clock running. You want to keep Mahomes on the sidelines. And you want to open up the downfield passing game. We are the type of team that can run the ball even when you know we're going to run the ball. So there have been times at this season where where the Bucs saw that things weren't going well and they abandoned the run. I implore them that no matter what happens in this game, the running game should be what you use to open up everything. It should set up everything because that's going to be the key to success for Tampa Bay. Because consider this, when all of those things are said and done, you've still got Antonio Brown running a route somewhere. And that's ultimately why Tampa Bay is so good and so deep is that despite having such a phenomenal defense, they also made the room to bring in Gronk, to bring in AB, to bring in Fournette. They've got the money spent everywhere. They did a phenomenal job of managing the cap. They only had like $30,000 in cap dead cap coming into this season. Jason liked, and the whole front office has done a phenomenal job managing everything. And they're just so deep on both sides of the ball. And as much as you worry about the number of weapons the Chiefs have, Tampa Bay has the same thing. And if they can run the ball in this game, it is just going to open up everything they want to do. And I truly believe that that is the biggest key to the biggest secondary key. At least I think I already said that the, the, the Bucks defensive line was the number one key. But in any one case, it's a top key. It's a numero two to three key. It's all big. It's all big because it's the fucking Super Bowl. And no matter what you order the keys as, no matter how you look at it, you got to execute on every play, every down. And you know what? For that matter, another really huge thing that's going to matter in this game is fucking special teams. Special fucking teams. The special teams for... um Tampa Bay have been atrocious. Just the number of runbacks that, I mean, there have been near touchdowns, there have been touchdowns, there have been just an absurd number of starts in Bucks ter- territory or near the 40 or 50. The Saints continued to exploit the problems on Bucks special teams. That can't be there. That has got to be gone. You, you simply can't, you just can't allow that to occur. I, I don't know how else to put it. They have to be better on special teams. It is simple stuff. Your tackling has got to be better. You need to take better angles to the ball. It's basics. 
It is the absolute most basic stuff. And this is where Bill Belichick always excelled, right? Is that from one to 53, everyone knew what their job was, what their role was, and how important it was. And so I don't know how Tampa Bay necessarily internally looks at their special teams or how they have. They were certainly better against the Packers. They need to continue that improvement and just... I mean, discipline is, again, a huge key here. It's discipline on these returns. You can't get stupid penalties. It's the basics. And I I don't mean to hammer the basics like they're a Pop Warner team, but those things have undone them at times. Those, you know, the penalties are why they lost the Bears game. And, you know, the first Saints game was undone with sloppy play and, you know, poor special teams play. Everything they did on special teams in the second Saints game was also wrong and just blew them up. And they've gotten way better at that in the playoffs. They didn't particularly do a phenomenal job in the third Saints game, but they did better in the Packers game. It's got to be perfect this weekend. No penalties. Perfect special teams play. Run the ball. Control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And you win. Give Tom Brady the opportunity to win. And he will win. He will bring this home. We will bring home number seven. You know, Tom Brady almost went into this season wearing number seven because he wanted to, you know, display that he was going for number seven. And I think if he wins the seventh ring, I think I might need to get a number seven Brady jersey because that would just be cool shit. That would just be cool. It would be fucking cool to see a man with seven rings flaunting that. Maybe next year he's going to come into the season wearing eight. Who knows? I think he'll always be TB12 probably. But even Kevin Durant started a business based on his number 35 and then changed to seven. So you never know what will happen. But that might just be something I need to buy and frame just because it would be cool. Just as a memento of this season in Tampa Bay and how important it was. And that is the Blunt Doctor Show. Super Bowl preview. Keys to the Super Bowl. We got to win, Tampa Bay. We got to get this done. Make sure that your Super Bowl menu has some delicious Tampa Bay-oriented foods. Make sure that it does not have Kansas City barbecue. Make sure you're drinking only the finest Cuban rum. Just make sure that everything going on in your house this weekend is pro-Tampa Bay and anti-Kansas City. Because this is the big one. Until the next big one. Let's fucking go. Go Bucks. TB12 forever. Let's go Bucks. Let's get number seven.